This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man. How the heck are you? It is Wednesday, June the 8th. 2022. Yeah. Locked and loaded for another Monty show. We have to update the wing experience from the other night that was so tragically awful. Somebody may have died. But did you die? One of my favorite sayings when people complain about something. Oh, it was so cold out. But did you die? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> he did not die from the wings, although we almost did. Um... We got to talk about the Utah housing market because the housing market and real estate trends have changed. The NBA finals are tonight. Phil Mickelson's a Saudi stooge. This is the level that Phil Mickelson has fallen to, that he is being referred to by the, the English media as a Saudi stooge. Bro. How do you how do you fall to this level? Phil, your legacy is that of a Dude. Saudi stooge. Dude, come on, bro. Saudi stooge. Like, on, are you bro. serious, Phil? Come on, bro. And that you already have that drop is hysterical. Come on, dude. Saudi stooge. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now stepping up to the third tee. Saudi stooge. Phil Mickelson. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway. Oh, Phil. But without further ado, let's hop on board the Rudy Gobert rumor train um, because it seems like for the first time in a long time, the Utah Jazz continue to be front and center in a lot of NBA people's minds about um, what they're going to do this summer. And I can tell you, talking to NBA uh, folks that I am uh, cordial with, Yesterday, again, it was very clear that the Utah Jazz are absolutely being aggressive in shopping Rudy Gobert, and I would expect a trade to happen um, within the next month. It would be my guess that Rudy Gobert will no longer be a Utah Jazz man. But, of course, the question is, what is Rudy Gobert's trade value? And, Jake, I guess where I want to start with this conversation is, what is it you need to get in return? Just on a on a baseline level, what do you need to get in return if you're going to trade Rudy Gobert? Yeah, I mean, just on a baseline level, my goal would be to get back an all-star. One all-star player. That that has to be the baseline for the trade. And then obviously, you know, you're going to ask for a pick or, or something um, to supplement that. And I think that the thing with, with Rudy is that he is an all-star level player. He is a multi-time defensive player of the year uh, player in the league. And I think that he can bring a lot of value to certain teams. Now, we told you that it those teams are out east, that, you know, Chicago, Toronto, maybe even, you know, you're, you're looking at a, a possible scenario where Charlotte might want to get involved maybe. Like, you know, so you you have options out east. And I think the biggest thing for the Jazz in this whole Rudy trade conversation that they're, that they're having is that they need to find the line of the price they're going to pay to move his money versus getting value back in the trade. And that's why I say if I'm the Jazz, my goal has to be my baseline minimum have to have it is one all-star player for another all-star player, you know? 
And then from that point, if you can get that done, then I think from there you can have negotiations around picks or who you're going to send in addition to Rudy maybe or, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever. Because we don't know what the setup's going to be. We don't know if it's going to be a two- or a three-teamer. A three-teamer is definitely more feasible based on Rudy's money. But my point just is is that if you're the Jazz, you have to be committed to making sure that you don't take too much of a beating on on this trade because it's not going to be acceptable to to essentially give Rudy away for a rack of basketballs. That's not that's not going to work obviously. So it, but the problem is is that teams know the Jazz don't have draft picks. Teams know that the Jazz are tight on the cap. You know that they don't have a lot of flexibility and options within their situation. And when that's the case, there's a price to be paid if you're the Utah Jazz. So that's why I say my main priority if I'm the Jazz, whether it is uh, uh, just them and one other team or if it's a three-teamer and like seven players involved, my minimum is getting one all-star player back and not losing my ass on the deal. That would be my mindset with, with trading Rudy Gobert. You know, I, I think the biggest issue is defining value and what Rudy's value is. I can tell you right now, NBA sources have told me the Jazz are going to drive a tough bargain. Um, you're looking at, at Rudy Gobert, and, and the Jazz believe that they have somebody who is a three-time defensive player of the year who they can leverage to bring talent in return. But from what I'm also told by multiple NBA sources, the Utah Jazz are going to struggle to get a superstar in return. And the two teams that the Utah Jazz have spoken to the most or who have shown the most interest in Rudy Gobert are the Toronto Raptors and the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. The issue for the Chicago Bulls is obviously the looming free agency of Zach Levine is hanging over their heads. And Zach Levine has made it very clear that he wants a max contract. The problem for the Bulls and maybe the solution for the Bulls here is they can offer Zach Levine just about $50 million more than anybody else. And the teams that Zach Levine has shown the most interest to uh, would be the Portland Trailblazers who can offer him a maximum contract. Zach is from the, the uh, Pacific Northwest, so it makes a lot of sense. You know that the Portland Trailblazers are attempting to rebuild that roster, but are they really going to sign a guy on Zach Levine's level when they're also trying to sell the team? That's a big question. The other place that he is very clearly a fit is the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks, however, do not have the cap space to pay Zach Levine what he believes he's worth. Yeah. Now, does he get a max? I don't know. The Chicago Bulls have said very clearly, we are willing to pay the luxury tax to keep Zach Levine. But if you know the Chicago Bulls the way I know the Chicago Bulls, <laughs> I can tell you right now, paying the luxury tax and giving Zach Levine that super max extension that he wants are two very different things. And again, when you're talking about paying a guy $210 million, which is the number that they can offer Zach Levine at the top of the, the pay grade, um, I would tell you that I am I am very skeptical of whether the Chicago Bulls will pay that price. They have not historically been a team, whether it's Michael Jordan or any other free agency in their history, they have been very hesitant under Jerry Reinsdorf to pay what needs to be paid to keep their star players in a Bulls uniform. Mm -hmm. So I am very skeptical that the Chicago Bulls are willing to give Zach Levine the full freight. I think if they don't offer him the maximum extension, if they don't offer him that $210 million, I believe it is, I think Zach Levine's going to wind up in another uniform. And do not forget, he is an unrestricted free agent. So it is up to Zach where he goes and if he returns to Chicago. 
I think that situation could have a significant impact on the Utah Jazz ability to trade Rudy Gobert to the Chicago Bulls. Now, let's say that they are able to make that deal. I don't believe that a sign and trade for Zach and and Rudy Gobert makes a lot of sense. I I don't believe. I think this is a three-team deal simply because the Bulls are not going to give up DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine to get Rudy Gobert. That doesn't make a lot of sense because what the Chicago Bulls have pretty much said, hey, we committed this money to this group of guys. We want to keep this group of guys together, and we need to get better defensively, especially on the interior. And it doesn't make sense that you would sign and trade Zach Levine, bring in Rudy Gobert, and take a significant hit offensively because if you do that deal, you're also probably going to have to take um, you know, somebody in return from the Jazz. But think about what comes this way. What comes to Utah if you trade a Rudy Gobert to the Bulls? What comes to Utah is probably Patrick Williams. If I'm the Chicago Bulls, am I really wanting to give up who is arguably my best offensive player on the perimeter? Yeah. I don't know. Does Rudy Gobert help you that much? Defensively, absolutely he does. Right now, the the biggest issue for the Chicago Bulls is that they cannot stop anybody at the rim, right? Derek Jones Jr. has been probably their best big, um, if you will, and he's not really a big. Nikola Vucevic is a net negative defensively. Um, For everything that he can do offensively, and everybody says he's a multi-time all-star, trust me when I tell you, Nikola Vucevic is not anybody's best defensive player, and he never will be. Yeah. So if you're the Chicago Bulls, on its face, Rudy Gobert for Nikola Vucevic is a huge upgrade, but there's a lot more involved in that. And I think making a deal with the Bulls is going to be a lot more complex yeah. than just simply making a straight-up trade, which is why I continue to hear that Toronto realizes that they have an opportunity um, to make a deal with the with the Utah Jazz. I, you know, My feeling is, is that they are willing to part with Pascal Siakam to get Rudy Gobert. I think they value him at that level. Um, it'll be interesting to see what else they want. And my question is, you know, frankly, does a Pascal Siakam get you Rudy Gobert? I don't know, Jake. I, my, my opinion is that you're going to have to give up an OG Ananobi. You're going to have to give up a young wing player in addition to Siakam to get Rudy Gobert. Yeah, it, it can't just be Pascal Siakam. It has to be, you know, and this is what I mean when we talk about defining value in, in different situations and different trade setups. Every trade setup, is different so you know again like my point in my opinion is is that your your baseline standard has to be getting an all-star level player in return but like with a pascal siakam based on what he's done the last two seasons i wouldn't want just want pascal siakam i'd have to have yeah an og Anobi or someone else as part of that deal for me to feel like, okay, yeah, we just traded away a three-time defensive player of the year and somebody who is an elite rim protector for this. And you have said many times on the show that Ryan Smith and this front office group really needs a win. This Rudy Gobert thing cannot be messed up. This Rudy Gobert thing cannot leave the same sentiment that trading uh, you know, Joe Ingles for basically Nikhil Alexander-Walker and nothing had. You can't have that. When you trade Rudy Gobert, you need to understand that when you pull the trigger on that deal, it better be a good deal for the Utah Jazz. And that's why I say I'm happy to hear that they're driving a hard bargain. I would be, you know. it's the, Think about it. What other leverage do the Utah Jazz have uh, outside, of, outside of trading Rudy? Because once you trade Rudy, you really lose all the leverage you have on your roster because you don't have draft picks. 
you don't have another guy you're willing to trade. Like, you're not going to trade Donovan Mitchell, as we've told you a hundred times, right? So that's why I say, like, when you when you pick up the phone and you call other teams like Toronto or Chicago or Charlotte or whoever, you, when you say, hey, we want to trade Boyan Bogdanovich, okay, cool, Th- we're willing to give you a pick for that or something. We're willing to give you low value for that. So my point just is, is with the Rudy Gobert situation, they have to capitalize. This has to be a, a win, and it has to be something that brings them tangible, difference-making talent on the floor, or else it's not good enough. That's that's my true opinion. So if that's one all-star and a pick, and then you get a guy in the draft, great. If that's if that's not an all-star, but two, you know, fringe all-star players that can really come in and play elite defense for you and, and be assets to Donovan on the floor, great. But whatever you do, it has to pan out to making this team better and leaving Donovan Mitchell in a place where he feels like, okay, yes, I can work with this. We can go and beat teams with this, and and now we're off and running. That's what I think the minimum has to be. Yeah, and I, I just don't think Pascal Siakam is a smart acquisition. If I am the Utah Jazz, that's too much money. He's a guy that's making $35 million a year. Um, he's got two years left on that deal at a minimum. I just don't think that deal makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you look at the numbers and you look at like OG Ananobi, that's a guy that's making $17 million. Um, and he's got multiple years left on that deal. But beyond that, I mean, you're not getting a – I mean, the guy you would want probably on that roster to go with this deal is Gary Trent Jr. Yeah. I mean, that's a guy who is a difference-making defensive player for you. That's a guy that can play the wing and play multiple um, – you know, perimeter positions to, to guard multiple, excuse me, perimeter positions. And by the way, he's making $17 million. I mean, those, to me, OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr. are the core pieces of a deal for Rudy Gobert. That's where that deal has to start. A lot of people have asked me, you know, well, what about Fred Van Vliet? Or Fred Van Vliet's not going anywhere. Toronto is married to Fred Van Vliet. He likes being there. They like him being the centerpiece of their team. They want to move, in my opinion, Pascal Siakam because he is—he's—he has been a bit of an enigma for them. Pascal Siakam's not been the star player that they hoped they that he would be, and I think they know that they're they're probably at their ceiling with him. Yeah. So moving moving Rudy Gobert and getting Siakam in return is not attractive to me. I look at—I I would rather make the 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 Vucevic deal in Chicago because he's on an expiring contract. Yeah. And if he if he doesn't give you what you need in the middle, okay, at least he can shoot a three and at least he can move the basketball at a pretty high level. And by the way, he's got a pretty good back to the basket game. Yeah. So he can play at all three levels. He is an excellent jump shooter, both from three at, for his size. He's a good three-point shooter. He is a good mid-range player and he can play with his back to the basket. I can live with that suckage for one year defensively. Yeah, and right? I think that's your best point on him. Like, him being an expiring contract, that's the other narrative that you got to keep in your in your mind here as a Jazz fan when, you're, when we're talking about trading guys. Expiring deals that, like, will expire next season that you could move at the deadline to then go and get another guy, that's also a factor you have to consider. So I agree with you. I think the Chicago deal has benefits, but I think that, that I – to me, when I hear – Rudy Gobert for OG Ananobi and and Gary Trent Jr. I don't mind that so much. I like that. That gives you options. That gives you some scoring. That gives you some defense. It Those players, those are pliable players, as I like to say. Those are guys, as you were just saying, those are guys that can do a lot for you. So I wouldn't necessarily mind that. But, man, I really like, I, I got to tell you, I really like the sound of Rudy 
for Vucevic and Patrick Williams and then trading Vucevic at the deadline this coming season to get another player. I like the sound of that as well. So I don't know. This, this is what I mean. It's such a difficult thing to predict like where they'll wind up with Rudy and in this trade because the because of Rudy's contract and how that impacts trades and the fact that the Jazz don't have draft picks that also really impacts the conversation they're able to have. So I if I'm if I'm you know Danny Ainge, Toronto is probably option one, Chicago is probably option two, and then I definitely got to curate you know a third option as a backup plan. That's probably how I would be stacking these options if I was him. Yeah, I I think it's very difficult to. I think it's very difficult to make a deal with with Chicago right now. I just there's not a lot of clarity, and it it'll be interesting to see how patient will the Utah Jazz be in making this move. I mean, it it, it to me it, it makes the most sense, and we've talked about trading Rudy Gobert for a long time, and I, the hard part is is that Rudy is a valuable contributor. Yeah, he's a guy that's a three time Defensive Player of the Year. That has real value. I would not be giving him away on the cheap. Yeah. I need leverage. I need return. Yeah. The problem is when you when you look up and down, um, I don't I just don't see that a that a a deal with Toronto or Chicago is going to be easy to make. You better understand that this is going to be a, a very difficult this is gonna be a very difficult deal to make. I, I think that when I, I look at I look at the 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 Toronto deal, I still maintain that I I would I would probably include Trent Forrest in that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think the issue is is that that trade on its own, if if you bring in an OG Ananobi and a Gary Trent Jr., you're not a better basketball team, and you've got to there there needs to be another move, right? If you bring in a Patrick Williams, if you bring in a Nikola Vucevic, and you know let's say you get a Javante Green as part of that deal, or you you get you know a Kobe White as part of that deal. Now you're you're probably the same team, right? Because you're better defensively. There's no doubt about that. Patrick Williams is a guy that has a massive upside. Yeah, massive. He's already a really good perimeter defender. But you know what? I mean, you're not going to get you're not going to get one of their best young players. You're not going to get an Io DeSumo in that deal. Yeah. And I, you know, yesterday on Twitter, I saw a lot of people saying, I'd have to have Io DeSumo. Well, then you're not going to make a trade with the Bulls. Yeah, that's not happening. I, and the thing that you have to understand is the Bulls are not going to give up their future or their present. They're going to get better. If they're going to trade Rudy Gobert to Chicago, the Bulls are going to have to feel like they're getting better. They're taking on a ton of money Yeah. for a guy that's limited offensively. And a lot of people also asked yesterday, really, a, a really good question is, what impact does Rudy Gobert have on an offense when he goes into a Chicago, a Toronto? Well, I think this is this is about his mindset. I mean, his yeah. impact on an offense is what he's willing to do and not do. And I think that, you know, again, I, I, I'm sure we're going to get more James Knight comments or more comments today saying that we hate Rudy Gobert. And it's not that I hate Rudy Gobert, but I, I think the tape speaks for itself. Pull up YouTube and watch his, watch his offensive game. His impact on an offense is setting good screens. He's one of the best screen setters in the league. He is elite at that, no doubt about it. He knows how to set a dirty screen without it getting called. And I love that about him. I think that's an absolute asset for an offense. However, I think the problem is, is that after that screen is set, if he's not involved in the pick and roll and a lob to get a dunk, he's just somebody that's standing off to the side, essentially offensively. And that's the tough part. But here's what I'll say. 
for those of you who do watch Bulls basketball, because, you know, we did watch a lot of Bulls basketball this year, one of the things that I think is attractive about Rudy Gobert and your offense is you were already playing two-man basketball. You were already playing pick and roll with DeMar and, and Vucevic to get DeMar at the elbow. You were already doing that. So if you can upgrade DeMar's options and you can give him somebody that can really finish at the rim and really kind of be a force around around the rim, that that is an upgrade, in my opinion, for how they like to run offense. We're not talking about the Warriors in a motion offense and constantly running around. That's not what we're talking about. And by the way, in my opinion, yes, the Bulls run a little bit, but they're a little bit slower of an offense, in my opinion. They've got a lot of mid-range guys. They've got a lot of guys that like to play one-on-one. So that's why I say, I think for the Bulls specifically, Rudy is a good fit. In fact, he's an upgrade to what they have now. The only question is, how much are the Bulls going to ask the Jazz to, to contribute financially on the Rudy Gobert deal, on his money? Because I think that's also something that the Jazz are going to face. Hey, you want to make a Rudy Gobert trade? How much are you willing to contribute on his contract? I think that's going to be a big factor in these trades. Well, and I also think that you have to continue to look at other options to improve the Utah Jazz roster. I mean, I, I still think that there's a deal to be done with Houston. I still think there's a deal to be done with Boston. And the other, the third team I'd be looking at for Rudy Gobert is the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, I think Atlanta would, Atlanta is, is really trying to win now. I think they know what they have in Trey Young. Um, I think they know what they have in, in John Collins, and that's a guy they'd like to move. Yeah. But I think John Collins has $100 million left on his contract. Um, I mean, so that's a hefty deal. But he's a guy that's in demand out there in, in, in the league. So I know that Atlanta values uh, Rudy Gobert. Yeah. But I think those, to me, Chicago is probably the best dance partner here for Rudy Gobert. And I also I also wonder where does where does Boyan wind up? Where does Boyan Bogdanovich wind up? And I, I think that there's a lot of value out there for him. I mean, again, I still maintain Boyan Bogdanovich is a guy that you will trade to any other team in the NBA. Yeah. You'll trade him to Dallas. You'll trade him to I mean, he fits in a lot of places. Mike Conley fits in a lot of places. Take their names out of it and just describe them as players. What is Boyan Bogdanovich? He is a sniper. That's it. He's not an yeah. offensive player. He's not an off-the-dribble guy, even though everyone wants to say he's got some great back-to-the-basket game. He doesn't, right? He just does that for the Jazz. For a playoff team, for a contender, he's a come-off-the-bench or maybe even start. I could see him starting for, like, an Atlanta Hawks maybe. But he is a come into the game, starting or otherwise, and knock down shots. That's what he is. He is yeah. Duncan Robinson 2.0, in my opinion. And I think that's the other team that you need to watch for Boyan Bogdanovich. Yeah. I, I think that – I think Danny Ainge has deep, long-lasting relationships in this league. And, yeah. and I think that Boyan Bogdanovich is a guy that puts a lot of contenders – you look at the teams that lost in the playoffs this year, um, the Dallases of the world, the Miamis of the world, um, I think you're looking at Boston. If Boston loses the NBA Finals, I think they're going to trade Marcus Smart. And I think Marcus Smart is exactly that dude that the, the Jazz should value. And I know everybody says, well, Marcus Smart's black and he didn't want to play here. And that was a huge issue. Mm -hmm. That was a huge issue. Marcus Smart did not want to work out for the Utah Jazz. Marcus Smart is a guy, though, that I think is a different player than he was then. And if Marcus Smart can thrive in Boston 
which he has, he can thrive in Utah. Yes, he can. And I think that if the if the Jazz want to address issues, I would go back to Boston and I would do everything that I can do to make that deal. And by the way, not for nothing. And I I I know we do a lot of, and I'm trying, and and I mean this when I say this, I am trying my best to do less of the I told you so on this show. Don't lie to me. Okay, I'm not really trying my best if we're being honest. But <laughs> if, if if you look at if you look at what we tweeted the other day mm-hmm. about who they were going to interview, mm-hmm. and everybody ripped me on Twitter the other day. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. When I said that they were going to interview um, young coaches that are assistants, right? That is going to be their target. They are not a team that is out here trying to. Um, they're not out here trying to hire the Terry Mike D'Antoni's, the Terry Stotts, who they're going to interview. Um, they're going to interview those guys. But I'm telling you now that they are going to interview guys like Charles Lee, which I said the other day. Yeah. And everybody's like, Who, who's Charles Lee? what I just say? Right? I said the other day, names to watch. And this was, this was Sunday. Names to watch for the Utah Jazz. Terry Stotts. Celtics assistant Will Hardy and Bucks assistant Charles Lee. How about that? Who did the Jazz get permission to interview yesterday? Will Hardy, Charles Lee, and Terry Stotts Mm -hmm. are all on their interview list. They're going to hire. In my opinion, I think this comes down to this comes down to Johnny Bryant and Will Hardy, in my opinion. I think those two guys, those are the two guys I'd be watching. Charles Lee, I was again told yesterday, Charles Lee is, is they're going to seriously vet Charles Lee. And, and I think they should. And I think Will Hardy, Char, I think Charles Lee is going to be a star coach in this league. Yeah. I do. Well, all and, three of these guys are going to have successful coaching careers. It's really just a matter of who fits what you need now. But boy, and I understand with Bryant, I understand, I get it. Will Hardy is going to be a guy that's going to make it awfully difficult not to hire him. Yes, he is. He is. He is going to make it very difficult not to. Because what does he not have? To hire what him. does he have right now? He's well, got well, playoff experience, and he is. He is in an organization that Danny Ainge knows well. Uh, obviously, in Boston, he is on a team that's in the NBA Finals right now. He has got a good history. Charles Lee, again. I mean, Darvin Ham coming off that staff. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that those guys, I didn't tweet their names for no reason. Those guys are very, very, very much on everybody's radar Yeah, as the next star coaches in this league. And that's what, and that's what I'm saying. Like if you're a jazz fan and when, when they hire one of these guys and I, I have to agree, I, I, you know, Johnny Bryant, it, obviously with the connection to the organization, you know, everyone wants to put him as the favorite, but I think these other guys have great chances. And I, and I think whether you're talking about the NBA or, or the NFL, like we went through this in the NFL too, right? Let's not forget, like all these guys, all these young coaches, the Cliff Kingsburys, you know, the Sean McVays, all these mm-hmm. young coaches got hired. And who ended up winning? Who ended up winning? The young head coaches. All of them got really good teams, and they went to the postseason. All of them. So that's what I'm saying. If you're the Utah Jazz, prioritize Donovan Mitchell – Hire a young guy that's energetic, that understands the culture, that he can connect with, that he can have a great relationship with, and then let's see what you can do. 
And I'm telling you, I'm telling you through this summer, I, I my expectation, if I was a Jazz fan, no matter what happens this summer with whatever they get back for Rudy and whoever they hire and however it looks, don't expect a championship this coming year, but the next year, that's when I would start expecting to get some serious traction in the postseason. Because you need a season to put the team together. You need a season for them to play together and build chemistry and do all that good stuff. And then now now you have a battleship that can go in and, and get through adversity on the floor. Yeah, I, I think there's a real good chance that, that – man, I just think that there's a trade to be made with Boston. Yeah. There is a trade to be made with Boston. I mean, they have pieces that they want to move. But this is the trade deadline. That make thing. you better. Yeah, well right? – but I this mean, is why you waited at the trade deadline if you're Boston, because I think they knew, I think they knew that they had a chance to to make a difference on the roster. But they also knew that they could compete in the East, where everybody was going to beat up on each other. And and Marcus Smart, as it turns out, has been a pivotal player for them. Yep. And the other thing I really like about Marcus Smart is if you're able to get Marcus Smart, because again, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but they've tried. If you're able to get Marcus Smart. He is very affordable, but I also like that that could be a three-team deal. Yeah. And, you know, again, the question is, what does Boston need? I think they need a player that will will complement Jason Tatum. Boyan Bogdanovich. Well, and I think Mike Conley's another guy that fits there. Yeah. They need an on-ball general, and Mike Conley is that guy. Mike Conley is a, a vet who can mentor guys that can help you improve. Yeah. He is, you can say a lot of things about Rudy Gobert, but Rudy Gobert's best offensive use is when Mike Conley's on the floor throwing him lobs. Well, and I think after the year Mike Conley had, I think we can all agree that, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say his offensive game is regressing, but he just had a rough year offensively, you know, as far as yeah. individual scoring. And so for a team yeah. like Boston, you're not going to ask him to score a ton. I mean, yeah, sure, he'll get, you know, your 15 points a game. But you're not going to ask him to be 25 a night. You're you're going to ask him to no. be, you know, 10 a night with with 10 assists. That's get, what you get want. Get me get me two three-pointers a game. Yeah. Move the basketball. Do the little things that right now Boston doesn't have a point Put guard. Freaking Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in positions to score. Get Jason Tatum off the ball. Get Jason Tatum off the ball because Ime Udoka's offense works better when they move. Yeah. And I you're seeing right now you're seeing when you look at Golden State. By the way, what if you're going to watch the finals tonight? One of the things I'd really encourage you to do: watch the relationship with with Steph Curry and Draymond Green. You watch those little what they call twist screens, mm -hmm. where Draymond Green gets the ball. Like Steph Curry, there's that highlight of Steph Curry throwing that cross corner pass to Draymond Green, who takes one dribble, steps up. And then just turns around and Steph Curry's run the baseline, comes behind him and shoots a three and makes it. Like that's the relationship, that's the off the ball movement that nine out of ten NBA teams don't have, but everybody wants. And so when you look at that relationship, that's what a team like Boston doesn't have for Jason Tatum. They don't have a guy to facilitate his success. Frankly, the Utah Jazz don't have a guy to facilitate Don's success. And I think you've seen that. Right now, anyways, Mike Conley's not that dude anymore, right? The I, I think Father Time is undefeated, as we always say Absolutely. on this show. So I look at I look at what the Jazz are doing. They're being ultra aggressive in the trade market, and I love it. I think this yeah. is exactly what they should be doing because these everybody thinks deals get done the day they're announced. Deals are getting done right now. I I I am telling you now, deals are getting done on a daily basis. 
right now. Yeah. And the sooner that that you begin to make those phone calls, and if you're going to make a deal in the summer, it's probably going to be have, have – not probably. The foundation for that deal will be laid at the deadline. Yeah. And I think that's why you heard that the Jazz were the most aggressive team at the deadline, not necessarily to make a deal at the deadline, but – to make sure that the groundwork was laid so you could make a deal this summer, Jake. And yeah. I I think they've absolutely done that. Yeah, and I think this is what you would expect out of Danny Ainge, frankly. And and I think that, you know, this is kind of why I was really hoping at the presser the other day that someone would have asked just a general, even a, even a softballish question about like, hey, like, you know, how aggressive were you guys at the deadline truly? Like, were there good conversations had? Or like, you know, just something yeah. around that because I, I completely agree it makes it makes perfect sense if you think about it. Like like you're gonna go out at the deadline knowing that you're probably not gonna make a franchise altering move, but you know this summer changes have to happen. You know that anybody yeah. who knows anything about basketball and watch this team knows it was required. And that's why I'm saying like Danny Ainge, like Ryan Smith deserves a ton of credit for Danny Ainge coming in. And I really hope that the first this first deal with Rudy Gobert that Danny makes is one of those deals where you're like okay. We've clearly rounded the corner here as far as the front office is concerned, and now we're heading in the right direction. We can well, see the future. Danny is fully involved. I was also I also heard that yesterday that Danny Ainge is fully involved in the process now. Danny Ainge was not on the phones at the deadline. Danny Ainge was much more, hey, let's work on this. Hey, you know, do this. Like he was part of the the process. He is the process now. Yeah. Like at the deadline, Justin Zanuck was a guy trying to make deals and I, I think that's one of the reasons a deal didn't get done. There's nobody better at making deals than than Danny Ainge. So I, I think you're going to see that. The other thing that I would say is that you're going to make multiple deals here. Yeah. This is not one major trade and let's go win a championship. Yeah. This is multiple trades and let's see what the end product is. You got to change the core. I yeah. Mean, that's just what it exactly. is. Exactly. And frankly, I don't really care what order the trade happens in. Yeah. My feeling is is that you're you're likely going to get I could see it one of two ways. You make a big Rudy Gobert trade, give yourself some cap space, which is another reason I really like the Bulls deal. Um give yourself some cap space and then go and make a trade for Boyan Bogdanovich that allows you to sign a free agent, maybe that brings you draft capital back yeah. in in future, which is one of the reasons I like a draft night trade for Boyan Bogdanovich because You'd really like to get back into the NBA draft this year if you can. It's, it's nuts. To, to to say that the Jazz aren't in the draft this year is absolutely It's terrifying. Nuts. It's terrifying because one of the things you know, one of the reasons I like Charles Lee so much, the guy is an absolute talent developer. Johnny Bryant's an absolute talent developer. Yeah. That has to be a key component because, unfortunately, you're probably going to wind up trading Trent Forrest. You're probably going to – I would not be surprised if they if they traded Jared Butler. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded their younger guys because it, uh, at some point you have to give talent to the coach that works in his system, yeah. something I don't think the Jazz were very good at the last two years, frankly. Now I think you have to realize, hey, I'm going to hire this coach and he is. we're going to build a system that works for his style and we're going to hire the coach – that fits with Donovan Mitchell, which is, again, why most people think Johnny Bryant's going to be the guy. Yeah. But you have to start building around the people that you're going to ride with. So you're going to hire this head coach. 
get guys that fit the way he he coaches. Yeah. Right? Like, get guys that, one, he's flexible enough and talented enough as a head coach to take Nikola Vucevic, who you traded for Rudy Gobert, and make the best of that until we can move him at the deadline. Yep. Or, hey, you know, we're going to go out and make a huge sign and trade and we're going to get John Wall. We're going to get Zach Levine. But this is what you've been saying about Danny Ainge. And I think it's and I think it's a really relevant point, which is Danny Ainge is old school. Danny Ainge wants wants to hire a head coach that is pliable to hit to Danny Ainge's vision and will will yes. go along with it. And I think it's ultra important in building championship contenders to understand that the struggle is going to be real early on. I mean, again, look no further than Boston right now. Like, your casual NBA fan who maybe hasn't been following the league for the last five years doesn't know that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were were garbage for a minute, and then they got bounced by LeBron. This team like, talked about trading Jalen Brown yeah, multiple dude. times. Like, they've been through the ringer, and I, and I think that, you know, now you're just now seeing that Jason Tatum is starting to kind of get into that you know, yes. one of the best scorers in the league mentality, but he's still got so much to go. Like there are people out there saying that he can be the next Kevin Durant, the next three to four seasons. So that tells you how much he has left as far as growth. So my point in all of this is to bring it back to the jazz is that Donovan Mitchell is very much going through that same process. He's just two years behind Jason Tatum, yeah. in my opinion. Yes. So that's why I say this summer, what you do, and I agree it's going to be multiple trades, but that Rudy trade is the core center of, of whether this summer will be successful or not. That deal will ultimately define what this team is is able to do in the next three seasons. All right, let's get your thoughts in here. Please make sure you give us a, a thumbs up and a like. By the way, while you're listening to the show, feel free to shop our affiliate links below. Um, everything from protein bars, the vitamins we take, you name it, it's in our affiliate links. Go check it out right now on this podcast or if you're watching live on YouTube, thank you so much. Josh Martin, good morning to you. Thanks for the $2 tip you gave us. So you get your comment highlighted and we're going to read you first. He says, what's the most realistic trade for Rudy Gobert? I think the most realistic trade is probably probably one with the Chicago Bulls because it, it gives you the most benefit, Yeah, in my opinion. I don't know that making a trade with Toronto, if it is, again, OG Ananobi would probably be the guy in the middle of that deal. Does he make you significantly better? He probably doesn't. And the Rudy Gobert deal has to make you significantly better. Yes. It has to upgrade something. And if it's OG and, and Gary Trent Jr., that's probably not enough. If it's those two guys and and picks, okay. Those two guys in a pick, I think, is enough. But what I think, well, what I think is, again, this is why you need a third team. Yeah. And this is why I advocate so heavily for a third team. Because it would be nice to get multiple assets from multiple teams. Give me draft picks from this club. Give me talent from this club. And let's get a deal done. That's why, again, with the Jazz being, you know, there were there were a lot of people who, who have said the Jazz were one of the third team options for a Lakers-Rockets deal that would have netted them um, you know, Christian Wood would have been the the player coming from Houston. Big fan of that deal. Yeah, and I I I just think if if that if that truly was an option, and Russell Westbrook would have wound up in Houston, and John Wall and and Eric Gordon wind up in L.A., and you wind up with a Talon Horton Tucker and a Christian Wood. Big fan. I would have loved that deal. I absolutely would have loved that deal. I think that would have been an, an an epic deal, and and I think you would be a better team today. 
But that deal didn't happen. Maybe it was never on the table. Who knows? I don't know. Well, and I think that the other thing we have to remember, just generally speaking, like thousand foot view, is that Danny Ainge has a track record of putting together big trades. Like, yes. Like big three, four team deals that make his team a lot better. So, again, that's why I say don't be surprised if maybe this is a slow cooker thing. Like it takes a couple of weeks, but but something big happens. Don't be surprised by that at all. They're going to make a deal. I I have no doubt about that. And I think that when you start to look at who those contenders are, I think if you're smart, you trade Rudy Gobert in the, in the Eastern conference. You do not trade him in the West. Um, I think I, I still maintain that Toronto and Chicago to answer your question directly, Josh Martin, Toronto and Chicago are absolutely the most likely destinations. And I feel like, in, in Chicago, Vucevic is the starting point there. It's just a question of who you're willing to include in that. And and again, just because it was brought up multiple times yesterday, Io DeSumo is not even part of this conversation. Yeah, I mean, if The I'm, Bulls are not traded. Yeah. Io DeSumo is a young guard from Chicago. He's an assassin. He's you're not, They're not moving that kid. He is His upside is incredible. Yeah. And I understand why Jazz fans would want him. I totally understand, I understand it. why Trust anyone me. would want him. <laughs> I get it. He's not, they're not trading him. Yeah. They're not, you're not going to get, in my opinion, you're not going to get a DeMar DeRozan in that deal. And the Bulls are going to do everything they can do. I would think maybe not everything. They're going to do everything they're willing to do to keep Zach Levine. They want to keep everybody that I know in Chicago tells me they want to keep this core together. Yeah. And they didn't do all that work last off season to bring in Caruso and to bring in, excuse me. Headband. Oh, Caruso. I'm sorry. Headband Caruso. Where's Jeremy Bolton? Yeah. Um, but they didn't do everything they did to compete with five other teams to bring in Alex Caruso to then just give away Zach Levine. They didn't do all of that to then trade away DeMar DeRozan. We have another Woj update on coaching candidates. So he's added Frank Vogel and Jazz assistant uh, Lamar Skeeter to the list of interviewees. I mean, they, they Frank Vogel is somebody that I think makes a lot of sense to interview him. Um, I think you have to – one of the other things, and I, I don't know how many people realize this, but one of the other things you do when you interview veteran coaches is you, you find out if they're available to be an assistant. Because if you hire a Johnny Bryant, if you hire a, a a Will Hardy, Steve Nash, yeah. If you hire a Steve Nash, like Brooklyn did, those are guys that probably don't have enough relationships to build a solid staff. So if you're going to interview Terry Stotts, look at Mike D'Antoni and Steve Nash. Mike D'Antoni has been a hell of a mentor. Look at Quinn Snyder and, and Greg Popovich, right? Like you need that mentor relationship. So one of the other things to keep in mind is you're gonna you're gonna interview Frank Vogel, who's off of a championship in LA, by the way, yeah. you're going to interview him and you're going to test the water and say, Hey, you know, we really loved what we heard from you in, a, in our interview. Any chance you'd consider being an assistant, any chance you'd, you'd consider coming in here and mentoring Will Hardy or mentoring Johnny Bryant or mentoring, you know, Charles Lee. Don't think that those conversations are, are meaningless. Yeah. They're, they're going to interview. And the other thing that I think is really interesting. And part of this is too, the questions that they ask these candidates are 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 really important because when you're talking to a guy like Frank Vogel, that's a guy that knows the Jazz really well. He coached the Lakers. 
Like, he knows Donovan Mitchell's game. Yeah. You want to know what he thinks about Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. You want to know what he thinks about this roster. It's a really savvy move to, yeah. to get some answers out of these guys. And, and to learn what other organizations and teams think. Terry Stotts is one of the better basketball minds in the NBA. You want his input on your roster. Yeah. So it's not just about finding out if Terry Stotts is the best head coach fit for you. You also want to develop relationships, get intel, and see if you can help build a staff. Yeah. So you never know why they're going to interview guys. I, I, you are certainly not interviewing. I wouldn't think you would interview Frank Vogel to be your head coach. That doesn't make a lot of sense in my opinion. Yeah. Um, all right, Josh, thanks for the tip. If you guys want to send us a tip, we always appreciate it. There's a dollar sign at the bottom of the chat box here on YouTube. Good morning, Rudy Sanchez, George Mashika, Tanner Plummer. Hey, 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 guys. Hey, guys. Mm -hmm. Tanner, good morning. Hey, guys. James Knight, sup, lads, he says. Cody Strickland says, what if Quinn didn't have, didn't leave because he didn't get roster control but left because they won't be, there won't be much change in the roster? I, no, I don't think that's why. Yeah, I, left, I don't man. think he left. I just think I, I think I, I I the reason I that I say that personally is because that's just not a uh, uh with where the Jazz are and and what took place this past season, it's not a realistic situation. It, it, it it's just not. It, it to say that Quinn left because there won't be change is not true. To say he left because there will be change, but he's not a huge fan of what change is made. Okay, that's more of a conversation. I can kind of get down with that logic, but make no mistake about it. There's going to be a lot of change in this organization as the summer wears on. And that's just, it's just a fact that that's going to happen. Yep. Gabe Ledley, good morning to you, my friend. Uh, Neville 93, Greg Hawkins. Uh, Gabe Ledley says, based on money alone, you'd think another all-star would have to be involved in the Rudy trade. You think the Jazz are looking to go big for big? Um, that's an interesting question. I mean, Nikola Vucevic fits that bill, certainly. I mean, for everything, he's not defensively, and he's not defensive at all. Yeah. Um, he certainly is an all-star, and he's certainly a guy that can put the ball in the bucket. So I, I think that's a really good point, Gabe. I mean, I, I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. The Mavericks, but Monty Dallas has nothing to offer. Um, for Zach Levine, <laughs> I, I just, I think Zach would love to be in Dallas. I just don't think they have the money to offer him. Well, and I, and I think that the jazz, you know, again, it needs to continue to be said. I, I don't think there's a willingness to trade Rudy in the West. I just don't think. Well, for Rudy, gonna... Go yeah, for Rudy Gobert, they're, they're certainly, they just don't have like in that, the three team thing. Like, why would you do that? Like you can't have, if you're Danny Ainge looking at, looking at the West, you know, that the West again, once again, it's going to get better this coming season. Like, I have to think that teams like the Nuggets and the Lakers are going to be better. You can't tell me that LeBron is going to have two seasons in a row where he just, you know, his team, not him personally, but his team, is terrible. You can't tell me that that's the case. You can't tell me the Lakers are going to be trifling around with, you know, Russ and that broke-ass jump shot for the whole season. I just can't believe it, you know? So if you look at that, all right, let's assume the Lakers are uh, are an eight seed this year. Okay, so you've got, now you've got the Warriors, Memphis, you've got Phoenix, you've got yourself, Utah, you've got Dallas, and you have the Lakers. And by the way, we're not even talking about Kawhi and Paul George and the Clippers. So that's my point. You're not going to put Rudy Gobert on any of those teams. My other question is, what do you do with Rudy Gay? Because that's a guy that 
That's a guy that that, that's got two more years. Prime piece to be moved, in my opinion. Yeah, he's got two more years with this club, and I think the second one's a player option. But, I mean, you have two more years left with him, so it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, he didn't sniff the playoffs. He did not sniff it. But, again, that was a Quinn thing, right? That was a – it was well documented that Quinn didn't feel like he had a good matchup against Dallas. So, maybe that changes with – with you know whoever they they bring in you yeah. know Kane Uren says Rudy's going to be hard to trade your return will be less than you want picks would be great certainly uh Josh Lovern says Rudy for Zion nah I'm nah, fine I'm good OG and Gary from Toronto would be really nice for Rudy but it's not just Rudy we need to get rid of Mike Conley who wants washed expensive old Conley I think Mike Conley has real value I yes yeah, I, I think, think that's a hater thing I to think say, he's man. a he's a guy that finishes off your roster um I think that if, again, if you just look at Boston, Boston doesn't have a pure point guard. I mean, and and the issue is that Marcus Smart is not a gifted shooter, um, even though he can knock it down and he loves to hit big threes. Um, but he's he is he's not polished. Um, I look at teams like Dallas. I think Dallas needs a facilitator. Luca off the basketball is is better. Yeah. Um, I look at Miami. I think Miami and, and what Pat Riley said about Kyle Lowry the Dude, other day. Seriously. You gotta though. be a professional basketball player and you gotta be in shape. Facts. I mean, that's unbelievable. Um yeah, I mean, there are there are teams out there that I think value Mike Conley. Yeah. If you wanted to make a Mike Conley deal, I, I think you could absolutely make a Mike Conley deal. Um Josh Leverin says, what did Tanner say? Uh, I can imagine the marketing campaign now, Josh, on Zion coming to Utah. Josh said Come watch the best player to play 85 games in the last three years. Exactly right. Exactly right. And he is a little chunky. Uh, Giggity says, whichever team is willing to take on Rudy will need to be okay with not winning a championship. I agree with that. I just, I think Rudy, as long as you have multiple offensive stars. Yes. You're going to be fine. fine. I think Rudy Gobert's best value offensively is clearly a rebounding. He is the best lob player in the NBA, in my opinion. And I think he sets a really good screen. Yes, he does. Whether they're legal or not doesn't matter because unless they blow the whistle, no it's cop, illegal. No stop, yeah, buddy. man. I mean, Rudy Gobert's best value is offensive rebounding, lobbing, and, and setting unbelievable screens. Can you imagine? Can you imagine DeMar DeRozan coming off of a Rudy Gobert rub screen at the top? Yeah, dude. Like, Hitting that mid range jumper. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Look at that's why I think the Bulls are the best option for the Jazz because again, Rudy doesn't fit with a team that wants to have a track meet. Like Rudy doesn't fit in Charlotte, right? But I think there's a deal to be had with Charlotte and the Jazz in some you know way, shape, or form. Rudy fits really, really well with Chicago and secondarily Toronto. Chicago's prime because again, just like you just said. They've got multiple scoring options. He doesn't need to score for them to win. They play effectively in the mid-range. Like, they play a slower brand of basketball in the mid-range Half that court. plays to Rudy's skill set. That's why I think for the for the Bulls, it works. It and they shoot a lot of threes. Yeah, so he can rebound the hell out of the ball. Yeah, I, I, I he's a great—there's no doubt he's a great fit in Chicago, I'm telling you. It's just simply a matter of what can you get in return. I, I would want— I would want more than than Vucevic and Patrick Williams. I would need I would need a Javante Green. I would need a, a bottom roster player. And I, because I want athletic ability in this this jazz roster, they have got to build depth. 
so that you can play nine guys. Yeah. You've got to build depth into this roster Talent because development's going to be crucial. Y- bro. You're looking at it at, at the, the two best teams in the NBA have depth. The two best team, like you look at golden state has legitimate depth, whether that's auto Porter pool, like, I mean, Kaminga. Or commit like you, you have depth. Like you, you look at the teams that struggle in this league the Lakers struggled to get anything off their bench, including Russell Westbrook. You look at any of the teams that went out early in the playoffs didn't have depth. Ultimately, what what hurt Dallas? They became a one-player team. They lived with Luka and they they died with Luka. Like they need more. This Jazz team needs more. You need more than Jordan Clarkson. You need more than Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. Those are the guys. Look at the playoffs. Like you didn't even again, not to be redundant, you didn't even see Rudy Gay. Yeah, like you just didn't play. Um, let's see. Uh, Will the Thrill says Ben Simmons for Rudy. Nah, uh, I'm fine. I'm fine. James That's Knight says, Are we certain Rudy's gone? I mean, I would at this point, I'd put it at 85, 90 percent. Yeah, they are aggressively. And if you're just tuning into the show, appreciate you guys being here. Please hit, give us a thumbs up. Um, give us a like. It really helps the channel grow. Uh, we really appreciate you guys doing that. Um, but again, you know, I was talking to guys around the NBA yesterday and the Utah jazz are the most aggressive team on the phones right now. And they are, they are working to make a deal. Yeah. And the one thing I did not hear consistently is that they are like, I don't know that they're working to get back in this year's draft. I don't, I, 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 it'll be interesting to see what they do. Well, I don't think Danny's ever been a big draft guy. I mean, it, again, the one thing you can take away from the presser is that he's not a, that he's not prioritizing the draft per se this season. I mean, he straight up said that the draft and 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 other like deadlines as far as the summer is concerned have zero impact on coaching or anything like that. So somebody who is prioritizing the draft would say, yeah, we need to get a, a hire done before the draft and well, be ready. And, and the problem with the draft is multifold. If you are going to build through the draft, that's a long process. Long process. If you're Boston and and Golden State, though, how did you build your team? Well, you built your team through the draft. Phoenix. Well, eh, Chris Paul, I think, really put them over the top, though. But, yeah, I would agree with you. Most of that roster is theirs that they drafted. But this, the stated goal of the Utah Jazz is not to backslide. So you either draft and develop over a number of years – or you you trade and buy. And I think if you're going to compete for a championship in the next three years, it's not going to be through the draft. They are going to have to be very savvy in trades. And I think they are going to have to be very savvy with their money. Well, and I think the draft could be like you could I could see a deal easily where they trade a lower end guy in their roster for a pick that then they go and take that pick and trade for something else. You, well, you that's what, I mean? what you're trying to do yeah. by getting draft assets. Yeah. And this is the frustrating thing about Dennis Lindsay. Yeah. I mean, for, for a decade, all oh, the, the the jazz have draft assets, all these assets. And yet here we are. Yeah. So it, it yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you on that at all. Tanner, oh, it, by the way, sorry, not to cut you off to answer the question about Rudy and whether he's gone, gone. The only reason that I think Rudy is for sure gone is because he's the linchpin as far as money is concerned. Yes. If if Mike Conley was getting forty million a year, he'd be the guy that's gone gone. You know what I mean? So like, it's not. It, again, I I know I keep saying this, and I don't mean to be repetitive, but I want to send the message. It's not that we have some vendetta against Rudy or anything. No. It's just that the money dictates that hey, we got to get this guy moved 
so we can start an, uh, a fresh path here. Yes, I would agree with that. Uh, let's see. Eric C. says, morning, Monty Town. What's up, Eric? Conley, a busted down point guard that's overpaid, Josh Leverin says. He got paid. I mean, and I don't disagree. No doubt about I that. I don't disagree, dude. His career's coming to an end. I don't disagree with that. But I'm not going to sit here and say that he has no value because that's simply not true. He has value to the right team, just like Rudy has value to the right team. You send Conley to a playoff contender, there's a deal there because, you again, you're not asking these guys to score. You're asking these guys to essentially be role play starters who do a thing. Okay, Mike, I need you to bring the ball up reliably for our offense, and I need you to get Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in positions to score the basketball. And yeah. then, hey, hit the mid-range floater and give me two threes a game. That's not that much to ask. It's just not. You know? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that, that's really interesting is everybody values guys differently. One, yeah. You know, you pick a guy up off the trash heap, you know, like. One man garbage is another man gold. I mean, I it, mean, it, you it look at guys like to... Carmelo Anthony. You look at guys yeah. like uh, there are guys around this league. Russell Westbrook is going to be somebody's gold because yeah. I'm telling you, the guy is not done. The guy is not done. And. They're going to move him, and I, I just don't know. Um, I don't know for what they will wind up moving him for, but they're going to move him. Well, and this is the John Wall discussion. John Wall's been – we haven't seen John Wall on the court in a minute. It feels like like a long time. But really, he's been – he was a great teammate in Houston. He helped develop guys. He stayed in shape. He was at practice. Like, he was doing things for that team. And so, to me, that's what I'm saying. There's opportunities out there. The Jazz just have to get this – particular portion of the summer right man uh eric wants to know when the jazz are going to release their uniforms um you know i continue to maintain that the jazz will do that the moment the finals are over yeah there's some rumors going around twitter right now that it's going to be like next thursday or whatever like just some random day and and i don't yeah, know what is that the 15th i think it's like the 17th 15th 15th sure. yeah. next thursday something 15th 16th um but the problem with that is next Thursday's game six of the NBA finals. Yeah. I, I have a hard time believing that they are going to release their jerseys on the night of game six of the NBA. I finals. mean, I got to think it's before the month is over, right? Like before June is over, I would think that they would, but yeah. who, know, who the hell knows? I mean, again, I, I have to say it's the least of their problems in my opinion. I mean, yes, it's important, but again, what you're doing with the roster is, is what matters. That Jersey's terrible. Yeah. We're, we're the jazz. If the jerseys that have been leaked are correct, oh, I think they are. Okay. I'm a, I I and I I know I'm probably the only one. I, I think those are legit. I think those are I their mean, jerseys. This is this is like the Utah Oregon Ducks. Then I guess I don't know, but I'm not a fan. That's brutal. It, it really is brutal. Uh, will the thrill says Boston will not trade Marcus Smart. Watch him. Mm. Watch him. You got to be cold blooded, bro. Watch you got to be cold blooded about these guys. Win a championship, and then you got to. Do some work on the roster. Uh, Eric C says, I love the smell of new jazz era in the morning. Yeah, so do we. Yeah, dude. Um, Adam R says, Boston is way bigger than Utah. Smart is a fit. But again, we would need to swallow $30 million for that trade. I don't know that you'd need to swallow $30 million in a Marcus Smart trade. I mean. It all depends on the setup, man. I mean, he's making he's making good money. I mean, you're not trading Marcus Smart head up for Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Um, I mean, that doesn't work for anybody. I, I, I think Boston to trademark a smart Boston's going to need significance in return. Rudy provides that significance. The question is, what will the jazz get? Because Marcus smart straight up for Rudy Gobert doesn't work financially. I don't think for either side. Um, that is almost 
more than doubling what you're paying Marcus Smart. Um, you know, so my feeling is, is that you'd have to, it's, it, it'd be part of a larger deal. All of these deals are part of a larger deal, frankly. Mr. E said, whoa, hey now. Um, that was a comment dump. Sorry about that. Let's see. Um, Josh Martin says, Rudy for Aiton. Uh, you know, it's the DeAndre Aiton situation's interesting. I, I am in the crowd that says DeAndre Aiton's done in Phoenix. Yeah. And I think he should be done. He's not a fit for what they do, in my opinion. I think that they are much more on the DeAndre Ayton to Atlanta for John Collins train um, than they are for Rudy Gobert. I think Rudy Gobert, the problem for Rudy Gobert in Phoenix is that he's an anchor on offense and they don't need, the last thing they need is an anchor. Yeah, that's so not going to work. I think they're, uh, stylistically their offense does not work um, with Rudy in there. I mean, you need... You need your center in that offense to shoot jumpers. You need to you need your center to create space for you know really for guys like Book for you know you they run a lot of cuts through the paint. And Rudy has not been a guy even though Quinn tried to adjust that and I thought it worked really well having him out of the paint on offense. Um but Rudy's not been a guy that historically has been out of the paint and what does that do to a guy like Mikhail Bridges? Yeah. What does that do to Devin Booker's mid-range game? who he relies on cuts and curls and screens through the paint. I don't know that that's a great fit. I like they, the, what the Phoenix Suns need, they need a John Collins type player. Yeah. They need, they need, like they've got the perfect complimentary center in JaVale McGee. They need a, they need a buck who can, can they need be an explosive a defensive, center, man. who can be a defensive stalwart. Yeah but can rebound and can shoot a little bit. And that to me is John Collins. And I think that's why they've been linked to Aiton's been linked to Atlanta. Um, I also think that they've, I, I, a lot of people have, have thought that Detroit would have significant interest in Deandre Aiton. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, the other team that I think he'd be a great fit on. Um, interestingly enough would be the Lakers. I think he would be a very interesting complimentary piece to that Laker team, depending on what they do with the other pieces around him, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, like how much change is going to come to LA? Because if you, you know, if you read the tea leaves and LeBron James and Anthony Davis like playing together, I just don't know that the Lakers like Anthony Davis and LeBron James playing together. Yeah. Because the injury factor there is just too much. Those, both those guys at this point in their career, missing an incredible amount of games. Um, all right, real quick, let's keep rolling through some comments. Quinn Gobert and Joe in Portland uh, with L Lillard. I don't know why, if you're Portland, you would hire Quinn Snyder. Yeah. I, I Chauncey Billups is their guy. And Portland's going through an ownership change. We'll see who winds up with control of that team. Phil Knight, the, the, the god of Nike Town, obviously has an offering on them. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Big Dog O-Town, good morning to you. He says, what's the possibility of a three-team trade with Golden State and the Bulls? We end up with Kaminga and Looney and Rudy to the Bulls. I don't think if you're Golden State, you're trading Kaminga and, and Looney. Yeah. And if you're the if you're the Utah Jazz, are you trading Rudy to Golden State? Or I, I mean, 
Because if you're Golden State, don't you have to? I mean, what are you getting in return? There? Well, you're getting Golden State in that scenario would get something from the Bulls. So I'd have to think so. Yeah. So Rudy goes to Chicago. Chicago sends probably, uh, yeah, Patrick Williams and uh, a pick package. Probably knowing that it's the Warriors, they they would ask for picks. And then yeah, the Jazz would get you know Kaminga and Looney. But I don't. I, again, I don't think they're trading Looney or Kaminga. I think I think Looney yeah. is part of the reason they're so damn successful. I mean, he comes off the bench and just how many just, plays is that? Yeah, man. I mean, he just makes plays. What do you like in Game Three tonight? I think this is a. The, I think everything's on the line for Boston. Yeah, there's a lot of questions about whether or not Boston can win at home um, consistently in the playoffs, which they have not shown a, a an ability to do. Frankly, um, they have been a much better road team. Um, so I think everything's on the line tonight in Boston for Boston, uh, because I, I just think Golden State is playing their style of basketball. And I think game one was an aberration for Boston. I just don't see them shooting that well again. Yeah. I think that, I, I think that the Warriors will win tonight. I think that they will go in there and, and take this game. And then I think game four is the make or break game of the series. I think I think, you know, for for Boston, you know, in game 4 you're going to be down 2-1 in my opinion and that's, you know, you can't go down 3-1 heading back to to the Bay. So yeah. that's no. why I say like tonight I think that there's a lot of talk about Clay Thompson being in this drought and when he's going to snap out of it because it's not if. He is going to snap yes. out of it and it's just a matter of what game that's going to be. And my biggest thing for Golden State is that is that Clay has had some of his biggest games out east, man. Like, but the, you can just see he's pressing. You can see that yeah. he's he's really trying to make a contribution. And this is again why Jordan Poole's such a huge figure for Golden State because I think he's picked up some of that slack. A lot of and, that slack. And I, you know, we were we were watching. Um, I don't remember. I think it was Get Up the other day, and JJ Redick made a really good point. Boston is so focused on Draymond Green that they forgot that Steph Curry's on that team too. Like, be focused on playing better defense if you're Boston. That's what I'm saying. Boston lost, and Clay didn't even have a night. Clay didn't even have a game. He hasn't even had a game yet. That's what I'm saying. Like, the Warriors' best is better than the Celtics' best. And it just – ultimately, these these two games in Boston are going to come down to turnovers. And I know that that's cliche basketball talk. But the fact is, is when the, when the, when the Warriors don't turn the ball over a ton, they're gonna win the game. They're they're even if Steph has a slow start, he can get it going with the best of them. And that and that's why I say like you're right. They're focused on Draymond, but the Warriors are focused on getting Clay going because when Clay scores 25 plus, they're damn near impossible to beat. I mean, it's it's just how it works for their team. So that's why I say I think the Warriors win tonight, and then I think Game Four is like the defining game of the series. If yeah. somehow the Warriors can pull out both of these games, then obviously the series is over. But I just think that Boston has a tendency not to play well at home, and that's tough. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I like Golden State tonight. I, I just, you know, I, I think Steve Kerr's an, an elite head coach. Uh, and Ime has done a lovely job there. But you're a rookie head coach, man. These moments are not easy for veteran head coaches. And my feeling is, is that, I think Golden State's just more ready to win. Yeah, well, they've all been there. The core of the team has been there, and that's the thing. Like Jordan Poole may have may have like butterflies before the game, or he may be impacted by the big moment. Steph, Draymond, and Clay don't give a damn about the moment. They're they're there to do their job. Yeah. Um, Barry wants to know how much value do we see in Rudy Gobert? Um, I see a lot of value in Rudy. I mean, he, again, I, you can't just give him away. He's a three-time Defensive Player of the Year. The price. As, as we were saying earlier in the show, if you're just tuning in, the Jazz are, are asking 
uh, for a ransom in return. As they and, should. and they should. I mean, yeah. he's, a, he's the best defensive player in the NBA. He's a three-time defensive player of the year. Um, however limited he may be on offense, he is an elite rim rim protector. And again, that's why I say he's his best fit is with the Chicago Bulls because that's exactly what they're lacking. And the Bulls don't need their center to score. They need their center to defend and rebound. And there ain't no better defender or rebounder in, in the NBA than Rudy Gobert right now. Yeah. Like, he is an elite rebounder. So, yeah, I value him highly. Uh, Dante May says, would Utah demand a center back for Rudy? Not, necess- not necessarily. I-, I think, you know, it depends on how much you value Azubuki as well. I don't value him highly. Um, what do you What do you think of Hassan Whiteside? Is that a guy that can be a number one center for you? Not necessarily. Is is where I would there, put there's that. There's a formula in the league where you don't need to have a, a seven footer in the middle to win ball games, you know, and, and I think that's becoming more palatable. Yes, in the NBA as the years go on. So that's again, that's why I think your point about the John Collins deal, maybe or something like that, is totally doable for the Utah Jazz. I don't see any issue with that, and I think yeah. that someone like a John Collins, who is an explosive center, who who can block but also can shoot. Like I think those are those are guys that would work for the Jazz for sure. And Atlanta values Rudy Gobert. There's no doubt they'd like to add him. Yeah. But I mean, you're you're most teams that you're gonna move him to are gonna want you to take Vucevic, are gonna want you to take Capella. And if you're the Jazz, you want nothing to do with Clint Capella, in my opinion. Yeah. I I, I don't think he's an upgrade. So and he makes a pretty penny as well. I would I so I would, you know. I just think you you need to be careful there. Um, let's see. James Knight says early shower for Draymond in Game Three, almost in Game Two. Um, Strange Cloud says Ben Simmons is trash. Well, I don't know that Ben Simmons is trash. Ben Simmons has had a very difficult year, um, physically and mentally. Um, he has had a very difficult year. This is a really important summer for him, um, and I give the Nets credit for standing behind him. You know, like supporting him in his battle with depression. And trying to rebuild his body, I I give them a lot of credit for that. He's got proving to do. He, this is a huge summer for Ben Simmons. Huge. Um, Lucito Diaz says Quingo Bear and Joe in Portland with Lillard. I think we already talked yeah. about that. That uh, why would Portland do that now? Yeah. And you just hired Chauncey Billups. So why would after all the crap you took for hiring him, you're gonna? No, that doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, Karen Montemayor says, will you rate the new Jazz jersey when they come out? Yes, very poorly. <laughs> very poorly. The uh, fact that that's a name on the show now is ridiculous. I would agree. Uh, yeah, Eric, uh, but they just lost to the worst team in the West. Are we really talking RSL? Maybe we need to talk more RSL in this show. I don't know. <clears throat> Did you guys see the Utah Grizzlies in the Western Conference Finals? All right. Um... <laughs> I want to get to this live golf thing. If you're here right now, give us a thumbs up and a like, please. Appreciate you guys being here. Um, Hit subscribe. Don't forget, we're giving away a uh, PlayStation 5 at 5,000 subscribers. And we're right there, you guys. We are right there. We're just at about 4,500. We're at 4,484. The countdown begins. 4,484 subscribers. You're just 516 away from winning a, a PlayStation 5. So hit subscribe. Give us a like. And now listen to a couple of guys making jackasses out of themselves. Live Golf, you know, this Saudi golf league that kicks off in London, or excuse me, tees off in London this week. Right, um, right. Has been one of the most controversial sports stories of the year. And one of the guys that really shocked the world after 
dedicating himself and saying, I will not leave the PGA Tour, who went to play on the Live Tour, is Dustin Johnson. Um, interesting to hear Dustin Johnson yesterday at the press event for Live Golf talking about giving up his tour card and probably not playing on the Ryder Cup. Obviously, at this time, it's, you know, it's hard to speak on what the consequences will be. But, you know, for right now, um, you know, I resign my membership from the tour. I'm, I'm going to play here, um, you know, for now. And that's that's the plan. Um, you know, but what the consequences are going to be, I, obviously, I can't comment on how the tour is going to handle. But regards to majors, are you? Majors, um, I mean, it's, again, I, I can't answer for, for the majors, but, you know, Hopefully they're going to allow us to play. Obviously, I'm exempt for for the majors, so um, I plan on playing there and, unless um, I hear otherwise. Justin, did I, did I just see you say that you designed your membership at the PGA Tour? I did say that, yes, sir. So that makes you ineligible for the Ryder Cup, and was that a big decision for you? It was, um, but hopefully, obviously, you know, all, um, all things are, you know, subject to change. And Dustin Johnson. Believes Dude. he can play in the majors on the PGA Tour because he's exempt. Well, here's the problem: you have to have a PGA Tour card to be to be to play in those majors, and you're not going to get a sponsor exemption. Yeah, because who's going to support you having played for the people who cut other people's heads off? Blood, literally, money. you took blood money. And then there's Phil Mickelson, who yesterday, <laughs> Phil Mickelson decided that it was time. And he refused to answer the question of was he suspended by the PGA Tour mm -hmm. for ripping them and supporting the Saudis. There has been no answer to that. He refused to answer it. But I'm going to play a longer exchange. We don't generally play long sound bites on the show, but I want you to hear how the media has changed their tone to Phil Mickelson. Now, having said that, European media has huge testicles. Like, they don't care no. who you are. They only care what you've done and said. And the European media, unlike some of our friends here in Utah, actually hold <laughs> athletes accountable. Listen to this exchange, but in particular, listen to the questioning and the tone of the questions the media asks Phil Mickelson. A, a few months ago, you were reported as describing uh, the Saudis as scary. What did you mean by that? And if they're that scary, why are you here, given that they're bankrolling this tournament? Well, certainly, um, I've made said and done a lot of uh, things that I regret and uh, I'm sorry for that and for the hurt that it's caused a lot of people. Um, I don't um, I don't condone human rights violations at all. I, I, I don't think it, I, I, nobody here does um, any, throughout the world and I'm certainly aware of what has happened with Jamal Khashoggi and it's, I think it's terrible. I've also seen the good that the game of golf has done throughout history, and I believe that Live Golf is going to do a lot of good for the game as well. Um, and I'm excited about this opportunity. That's why I'm here. But isn't there a danger that you're also being seen listen, as listen, listen. a tool of sports washing, an attempt to try and improve the image of a human rights abusing regime through sport, and that ultimately you could be seen as a Saudi stooge? And, and that could tarnish your legacy. Holy that, crap. That, you comfortable with that? I, I said earlier, I, I don't condone human rights violations. I, I don't know how I can be any more clear. 
I understand your question. Um, um, uh, but again, <laughs> I love this game of golf. I've seen the good that it's done. And I see the opportunity for Live Golf to do a lot of good for the game throughout the world. And I'm excited to be about a part of this opportunity. Uh-huh. Well, I'm sure. Okay, so let's get a couple things straight. That's Phil Mickelson uh, at the Live Golf press event. Um, Phil Mickelson got $200 million paid to him in Saudi oil money. Right. Phil Mickelson straight up acknowledged that they murdered Jamal Khashoggi right there. He also said nobody condones human rights violations. Well, then why are you taking their money, jackass? Saudi stooge. Why are you taking their money? Because you are a... Yeah, dude. Saudi stooge. You're a Saudi stooge. And to sit here and say that you can't make it any clearer, you could make it clearer that you don't support the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, where the Saudi um, you know, royal prince allegedly ordered his murder, and it's really not alleged anymore, but ordered his murder, where his body was chopped up, dismembered, and taken out of a, an embassy in a bag. Um. If you didn't condone that action, you would have taken their $200 million. Well, uh-oh. Yeah. You also admitted that you're a, a degenerate gambler who's gambled your, he admitted he's gambled his entire life, and he claims he's lost upwards of $40 million gambling. We know it's more than that. In my opinion, it's got to be much more than that. You sold your private plane, bro. Saudi stooge. You took their money because you needed their money. Dustin Johnson at least was upfront about it. Well, I'm taking the money because I don't like playing the game. I want to retire. So I took the $150 million in blood money. Hey, cool, man. I don't like it, but cool. Right? And then I... I, 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 I it's, it's insane to me that... Phil Mickelson is ruined. Yeah, it's over. Cool. Congratulations on your $200 million replenishment of gambling money. But you're you're done. Your your legacy's ruined. Saudi stooge. You're, you, you are in bed forever with the Saudi murderers. You're in bed forever with the people who cut other people's heads off. Um. Do you get that? Bro, they cut a body up and put it in a bag and carried it out and had a body double dressed just like Khashoggi so that people would think Khashoggi walked out of the embassy. Um, Are you kidding me right now, bro? Oh, I don't support, you know, human rights violations. You do, though. For $200 million, you do. He's an Cause, assassin. Because look, asshole, everybody's got a price. And yours was $200 million. So you can sit here and you can say, well, nobody supports human rights violations. Um, well, I mean, the price for chopping up a body is like over a billion dollars now. Saudi stooge. Just in golf talent. I mean, I, look, I feel bad for Khashoggi's family, but fuck, it's $200 million. <laughs> Man, do you know how many parlays I can play for $200 million? <laughs> what a despicable human being, bro. It's really despicable. Yeah. Are you serious Thanks, with this Jimbo. guy? Yeah. And then he he does the the best thing is, is that he does the he does the typical uh yeah um <laughs> um uh, it's unbelievable yeah and I give the media there a lot of credit they torch actually him. asked him torch questions him, bro torch him they torch cut him people's heads off Phil yeah and you took two hundred million dollars yep 
and you're saying nice things about them and you're supporting them for $200 million. Congratulations. You're officially a POS. Yep. That's what it and is. And by the way, it's what it is. By the way, more credit to Tiger Woods. More credit to Tiger Woods. It needs to be said. He turned down damn near a billion dollars. Just saying. Phil Mickelson. Yeah. Tiger Woods turned down a billion dollars. Phil Mickelson. That we know of that he's admitted to lost like $40 million gambling. If he admits to that much, how much do you think it really is? Several hundred. <sighs> Has, and this Several guy's hundred made, million. This guy's made almost a billion dollars in his career. In his career. Yeah. Think about how much money that is you could lose gambling. And you had to sell your private plane. Please. Um, um, Phil's, Phil's no stooge. No. Saudi stooge. <laughs> Giggity says, Phil's no stooge. He's a biatch. Tanner Plummer says, Phil will always be known as a Saudi stooge. He Saudi stooge. Looking very aware of his surroundings. Phil lost $4 million in gambling that we know about. John Daly lost $60 million. I wouldn't put it past Phil to have losses in that range. I would agree. Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't know, man. I just. It's it's crazy, dude. It It is absolutely beyond me that any of these guys would give up their tour card to go and play in this in this in this thing. I understand that, you know, that that the Dustin Johnsons of the world want the PGA to change the dress code so they can wear shorts out on the course and so they can do some certain things Look, on the course. Listen, the truth is the issue is name, image, and likeness. That That's what this true. is about. They won't they, they you don't own your name, image, and likeness when you play on the PGA tour. So all that video, all those pictures of you making big putts and hitting big drives. But here's the problem and, with that. Here's the problem with that. Then then how does Tiger Woods have gazillions of dollars off of endorsements? But it's, Phil's it's a, made almost a billion dollars. So how how are you Jeez. Phil Mickelson, Dustin John? Like I, I can kind of get Phil's really the the one that really annoys me because that's phil mickelson yes that's lefty that's like yes. that's like legacy player for the pga one of the best players in american golf history ever dude i mean I, I, again who it, now condones cutting people's heads off saudi stooge it's ridiculous bro good lord anyway anyways anyway greg hawkins says y'all know phil fig jam okay uh, okay, I don't really get that, but that's fine. Okay. Anyway, my point is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> I don't know how he got here. I don't I really know, man. I don't know how he got here. Okay, real quick, a couple other things. Right. Did you guys see this this uh, BuzzFeed story that I tweeted about retail workers? Retail, like they work in retail. Yeah, the cashier at the store. They say. And apparently Hobby Lobby is a really good place to go buy expensive stuff. Because Hobby Lobby cashiers, amongst others, Target was in this story. Restaurant workers were in this story. Right. They say that when people are nice to them, they give them things. Like, hey, you were nice to me? Okay, here's a discount. Hey, you were nice to me? Here's a free drink. Here's mm -hmm. a free meal. Here's a discount. Right. At Target, one cashier who says she was treated so poorly by most customers right that a lady a lady bought an item and didn't have the coupon and so the cashier leans into her and is like hey t tell me you forgot your coupon at home just say that out loud hey i forgot my coupon at home oh that's okay i have one for you right here saudi stooge <laughs> 
what? Um, but that kind of stuff happens all the time. Yeah, giving money away. We and get it. so one one lady was saying that hey, there was a woman who showed up with baby formula and groceries and didn't have enough money to pay for the groceries because she needed formula for her child. So what the cashier did is she comped her. She gave her free baby formula so that she could afford her groceries to feed herself. And it's all because so many people treat these retail workers poorly Yeah, that when somebody's nice to them, smiles at them, that they're like, hey, yeah, cool. Let's do this. Here you go. And like they give them free stuff. And I can tell you, having worked at Chili's Bar and Grill for way too many years, I did the exact same thing. Because people in, in on the whole are not very nice. People, I'm telling you right now, on the whole, they're not, customers are not nice people. They, I cannot tell you how many people were just rude for the sake of being rude. Uh -huh. How many people, how many times in my career as a, as a server, bartender, waiter, did I get zero tip? Too often. Now, having said that, I had a lot of people that I've gotten, I mean, the best tip I ever got was a $2,000 tip on, on chicken crispers and French fries. Mm. And I remember it vividly because I sat there and we were talking Sacramento Kings basketball. I lived in Sacramento. Yeah. I worked at the Folsom Chili's. There you go. Right? Like, that stuff happens. But so many people are just assholes. Yeah. It's it's amazing. How Do you go out of your way to treat service people well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think that... You know, they, they, you have to be empathetic to their grind and their hustle. I mean, again, there was a time when I was a cook. There was a time when, when I, you know, I mean, I taught snowboarding lessons in Park City to to snobby kids. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so the nice kids, I always was really nice to them and gave them more attention. Like, you do what you can in the service industry. I mean, obviously, you have, you know, rules and constraints that you operate within. But, yeah, like, you know, yeah. whether it's a server or you know, given a discount as a cashier, like there are things that you can do. And I think that giving their kids free milkshakes. Yeah, dude. Like, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, in my opinion, it's just the right thing to do to treat service people. Right. Yes. You know, and, and, and then inevitably, like when you roll up to a restaurant, the, the first interaction you have with your server, if you set a good tone and you're nice to them, inevitably when your food gets jacked, you, they'll take care of you on it, you know, and it won't be an issue. Or when you go to the wing place and spend $80 and then call the next day and say, Hey, so there's an update on the wing story from yeah. yesterday. Yeah. So in case you missed it, yeah. we ordered from a local wing restaurant mm -hmm. who I'm not going to name ordered online. We go to pick it up at the time it says to pick it up. And the guy's like, Oh, I just saw this. Sorry. We'll make it now. <clears throat> Dude. Come on. It took forever. It took like another 30 minutes. The food was not good. It was undercooked. So I called the next morning, yesterday morning. I'm like, hey, dude, paid $80 for wings and uh, they were awful. Can I get a refund? And the guy's like, well, you know what? I don't have an order for $80. You know. I'm like, well, it was at 7.06 last night. And, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I see it here. And he's like, well, come in and I'll give you free lunch. I'm like, with all due respect, I just, I'm not going to you know, shop at your restaurant or I'm not going to eat at your restaurant again. I just would like my refund. You ordered through DoorDash. I can't refund it. I'm like, well, I didn't order through DoorDash. I ordered online through your website <laughs> on your, they have a Google thing. Yeah. And he's like, well, that's DoorDash. I can't give you a refund. I'm like, really? I'm like, okay, well, who do I need to talk to about that? Call DoorDash. 
And I finally said to the guy, you know, you don't sound very happy or very friendly. Like, is there a manager I can talk to? I am the manager. And so eventually the guy, like, I wasn't even being rude to the guy, I didn't think. And he hung up on me. So I called another restaurant in that chain and they're like, oh yeah, that's the problem store in Utah. That's an issue. And he goes on to tell me that their owner, I guess it's a franchise location, but their owner is dying um, or their district manager is dying. Their owner lives in Texas and is not involved in the operation. Like, dude. So I'm just writing that 80 bucks off. But I'm telling you, service people need to have service. Well, and my other point here is that- Or need to give good service. This is the price you pay when you when you go off the beaten path to, to, to order food. That's right. You know, I mean, when you go when you go somewhere, we had, this is the first time I'd ever been to this place we went to. And, you know, you just begin to understand why the why the mainstays are the mainstays, you know? Why, yes, you why do. Why B-dubs is B-dubs. Why Wingstop is Wingstop. Why, why Jersey Mike's is Jersey Mike's, you know? Because you get a, a really good experience basically every single time, you know, and that and that's the tough part. And and I feel for businesses who are struggling and going through some things. But at the end of the day, I, I'm going through some things. Dude, like it, it's it's eighty dollars for twenty. I mean, dude, we we got. Eight, I said eighty dollars. Like how many wings did we make last night? What was that like twenty five or thirty probably? Yeah. So Jake pulls out the Traeger smoker last night. And we're sitting around watching uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Which, by the way, if you're not watching those, please watch them. They're phenomenal. Tampa's very good. Tampa's it's unreal very good. how good they are. Um, and so he he made wings while I chopped down my like ten foot tall grass. <laughs> the jungle in the backyard. Oh my god. <laughs> so the wings were great. The wings were fantastic last night. Why did we go out? We spent thirty bucks on right now. By the way, chicken wings are really expensive. Yeah. Just went to Harmon's, got three packs of of uh, all drums because real men eat drums. Right. And they were great. Really enjoyed it. Fantastic. So, lesson learned. Yeah. This is why I don't eat out of Yeah, by the way, desk. the tater tots in the air fryer, highly recommend. Eric C. says, that's not all Jake pulled out last night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's kind of, yeah. Um, let's see. Big Dog O-Town says, a $2,000 tip, man. That's some economic wealth gap for your ass right there. Dude. <laughs> Cut a check. Exactly. That was in like 2003. Man, I, times. 20 Better times. God damn, that was 20 years ago. That was 20. I'm so old. Oh, my God. That was 20 years ago. Facts. Good Lord. Yeah, man. How times have changed. The, 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 the you know, side of chips with a half bowl of ranch is, is aging. All right. Real quick before we get out of here, let's talk about uh, the Utah real estate market. You know I'm passionate about real estate. You know we talk about it all the time. Yeah. So we follow uh, the trends in real estate here in Utah mm -hmm. very closely. Right. And one of the things that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, as I properly predicted because yeah. I'm right about everything. Yeah. Got a lot of your that. Just ask me. I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you knew there was going to be a uh, an influx of inventory, which means more houses for sale. But here's the problem nobody's buying hmm. nobody's buying there are houses all around the salt lake valley that are now at 20 days on market without a single contract offer so what's happening well everything is so overpriced that people are not willing to pay over yeah because what's happening now is with interest rates going up uh uncle joe biden just decided one day to charge people more um, uh with interest rates going up he didn't 
actually. It's not his fault. Dangerous misinformation. Yeah, he doesn't have time to work on mortgage rates because he's busy playing with the gas prices. He um, sets the gas prices. Right, right. He doesn't. Uh, anyway, the point is uh, mortgage rates, interest rates are higher. So between the interest rate and the overpriced that you're paying on the house, you're not going to be in equity on a house you buy right now probably for 10 years. Yeah. So consumers, particularly millennials, are a little hesitant to buy real estate right now, as they should be. Because as I've told you, my firm opinion is, for one of the first times in history, you're better off renting right now than you are buying. This is fucking America. Now, that wasn't the story two years ago. That was not the case two years ago. Right. But what I'm telling you right now is, that's the case right now. And I think you are in far better shape renting than buying. Yeah, I just signed a 13-month lease. So I'll be there for, you know, till next summer. Yeah, the porn pad's going to be intact, yeah, man. Yeah. You it's know. internal. Yeah. It's internal, baby. Uh, <laughs> my point is, my point is that you have to be really careful because I don't believe that there's a price correction coming. I think you're going to see incremental decreases. The people that are listing the house across from us raised their price Dude, somehow, some on. way. How? They have no yard space, and they're asking six hundred thousand dollars. What do you? What? N that literally no outdoor space, none. Not a little bit, none. No outdoor space. It's six ridiculous. Six hundred thousand dollars. What are we doing, man? Nah, man. What nah. are we doing? That's what I'm saying. Like the six hundred thousand dollar townhouse is really only worth four hundred thousand, and you're you're paying all that extra money. And you're paying at a higher interest rate, and you're not going to be in equity on that right now. I think this is one of the rare times in American history where real estate is a losing proposition. Well, it depends who you are. I and mean, if you're a millennial who hasn't bought it, is you know. But if well, you're if you're a billionaire right now, are you paying six hundred thousand dollars for a townhouse that has no outdoor space? No, I think what you're doing is you're getting involved in all the building that's happening and hoping for the best. I think you probably are. But my point is, think about even that. What's the cost of lumber right now? Yeah. What's the cost of aluminum and, and steel right now? What's the cost of a roofing shingle right now? Through the roof. Yeah, man. Nothing is cheap in real estate right now. Wait. Wait. Six months from now, two more quarters from now, life is going to be completely different. Wait out the real estate market. Trust yeah. me. Wait out the real estate market. You're you're smart to wait. Yeah. Big Dog O Town says, "Man, Wingstop here in Ogden on 12th Street is horrible service. Food, food, and both service I'm, and food both listen, suck." Listen, man. I'm telling you, I'm getting to a point with with the wing market and like how that all goes down that I'm not really willing to order from places anymore. The Traeger, like I, like they don't advertise. We're not partners with them. But the Traeger Ironwood, what is it? 885. Is a phenomenal machine, man. Like it puts out great wings every single time, and they're not cold when I get them in the bag. Why would I, why would I go out? And wings, Wingstop is so expensive right now. Yeah, and their French fries suck. Yeah. But their ranch is undefeated. I mean, listen, if you, if you do it right, if you have a Traeger of any variety – Smoke your wings, and then halfway through the through the cooking of the wings, put your damn tots in the oven or in the air fryer. It all comes out together, and you're you're golden, man. Talking with Raphael podcast says, do we also wait on selling a townhouse? I would tell you if you really want to sell right now, you, you I would list it right now, but I'd be really competitively priced. I'd be underneath everybody else, and it depends on I don't know your situation equity wise. What do you owe? What's it worth? Um, you know what's your financial situation? But if you're selling a house right now. Where are you going? Y'all feel me? Because you're not going to be able to buy because yeah. it's too expensive. So I'd probably hold. 
I would hold. I have almost $200,000 in equity in my townhouse and I'm holding. So flats on the Traeger, living the dream. Stop it, fat Jesus. <laughs> how, yes, many, Americans. how many flats were on the Traeger last night, Jake? Uh, none. Not a single one. Yeah. And then you tried to kill me by overspicing everything. How about that? Yeah. God damn it. Um, chicken rub. Just saying. When did you guys buy? We bought ours in November or December of 2019. No. No, 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 no. 2020. Uh, 2020. 2020. Uh, December Sorry, of 2020. Yeah, 2020. We got in at the exact right time. Uh, Giggity says, Fat Jesus, you a blue cheese guy too? You know he is. Crusty. Get the fuck out! No blue cheese ever. Ranch. We do not do Roquefort this on this is, show. This is ranch. I just Ken's ranch. I just dropped a Roquefort reference. Yeah, I don't know what that's a reference. That's to. Sorry. blue cheese, man. Sorry. Roquefort dressing. Yeah, I, I don't do blue cheese. I don't know it's the disgusting. brands. I don't know the names. Play the music. Yeah. It's absolutely disgusting. Well, you know. Tomorrow on the show, we will have a uh, recap of Game 3 of the NBA Finals for you that uh, Golden State's going to win. Uh, please give us a thumbs up right now if you're here watching the show. Thank you so much for being here. You support this podcast and this live stream on a daily basis. Love you. Until tomorrow, say no blue cheese, Jake. No blue cheese, Jake.